Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is May 14th, and our chapter reading for today is Esther chapter 4. Hardly a more quoted chapter in all of the Word of God in the Old Testament. In chapter 4 and verse 14, we have this statement, Yet who knows whether you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. This has been quoted by pastors, by leaders, by influencers all over the Christian world. At a specific season for a specific time, this has been the thread of campaigns, of funding, of giving campaigns, of building campaigns, of evangelistic campaigns, because this is a sentiment that not only applies to Esther, but to every one of us at some particular time in our lives. God prepares us through every circumstance, every background, for times in our lives when we need to act and move and stand, and if we don't, no one will. God prepares a people and a person for such a time as this. Now, is God's work going to be done without us? Yes, it is. God's will is going to be accomplished, whether he uses us or someone else. And this is what Mordecai told Esther. If you do not act, deliverance will come from another source, but God has placed you on the throne. God has given you the platform. God has given you divine favor. God has given you everything you need so that you can act in this time in history. If there's ever a time that there has been in American history and Western civilization for God's people to stand and be counted and to do so in a godly fashion, not ugly, not mean, to not be primarily divisive, but to stand for the truth of God. You see, the truth of God is divisive enough, and naming the name of Jesus is divisive enough. And so our shoddy behavior doesn't need to add to that. Well, let's go back and pick up on the context. As you know, in chapter 3, Haman has gotten his way and had his way with King Ahasuerus. And as he has manipulated the king in his anger and wrath and rage and demonic behavior against not only Mordecai, but also all of the Jewish people. And a decree now has been made, a decree from the king, the law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be altered, that on a certain day, all of the peoples of the Persian Empire, all the way from India, present-day India, to Ethiopia, 120 provinces, would now show their wrath and pillage and kill men, women, children that are of Jewish descent. The scripture says, in the name of King 
Ahasuerus. It was written and sealed with the king's signet ring. This is chapter 3 and verse 12, verse 13. And the letters were sent by the couriers into all the king's provinces to destroy to kill, and to annihilate all the Jews, both young and old, listen to this, little children and women in one day on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their possessions. Now, this was a deliberate ploy from Satan himself using wicked Haman, his tool, to destroy the people of God. And these decrees were proclaimed in every province. They were published for all the people in all of the languages, in their dialects. And it was decreed that it be done quickly, that this be sent out from the citadel in Shushan. So we come to chapter 4, and Mordecai learned of all that had happened, and when he did, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes, which is a sign of mourning and deep sorrow and repentance, and went out in the midst of the city, and he cried out loud with a bitter cry. In other words, he went throughout the city saying, do you understand what's happening? The Jews were there. They were already embedded within the culture and the society, and Ahasuerus had not understood just how dangerous this decree was. And so when Mordecai came to the king's gate, he could not get in. There was only allowance for people to go to the first gate. They could not go into the inner gates. And so there was Mordecai fasting, weeping, wailing, and he lay in sackcloth and ashes. And so word got back to Esther. So Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her. The scripture says she was deeply distressed. It was more than just that English phrase, deeply distressed. She was troubled to her innermost being. When she heard that Mordecai, her great and wonderful uncle, was in such pain and mourning and was lying in sackcloth and in ashes at the king's gate, she sent a different set of clothes thinking that was going to solve it. And Mordecai refused them and said, what are you doing, Esther? This is not the answer. This is not about changing our clothes. We can change our clothes. We can even hide our identities. But when they find out who we are and people will know because they want our possessions, you see, God had blessed the Jewish people in captivity. Uh, just like in the diaspora of the last centuries, God had blessed and favored with divine favor the Jewish people. And so when Adolf Hitler wanted to destroy them, the majority of them were in Eastern Europe. They were scattered across the face of the earth, but most of them were in Eastern Europe and Russia. And so he immediately saw their great wealth, their possessions, their stability, and he wanted that because they would be in opposition to his goals of tyranny. And this is exactly what Haman was up to as well. And so Mordecai said, well, look, this is going to cost all of us. And Esther, it's going to cause you. And it's going to come right to the palace. And so Esther spoke to Hatak, who gave the command for Mordecai and all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces, know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court who has not been called, he has but one law, put all to death except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter. Now this begins this conversation with Esther to Mordecai 
through her intermediaries that if she indeed goes and intercedes, as Mordecai had asked her to do, then she was going to risk death. Well, she had not grasped it yet that she was going to die one way or the other. And so Mordecai was told Esther's words. And Mordecai said to Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace more than any other Jew, because you see, it's going to get back as to who you are. And your identity is going to be known because you see, Esther had not exposed all of this. Uh, She was still in the shadows. He said, for if you remain completely silent at this time, listen to this, relief and deliverance will rise from the Jews from another place. Mordecai had such faith that God was going to be faithful to his promises that he made to Abraham that there would always be a people, the promises that he made to King David, that there would be a leader that would rise, the anointed one, the Messiah, who would rise one day. Mordecai so believed God that he said, Esther, now listen, you have been placed in this position of authority on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. And you have an opportunity to speak. And if you're so afraid of saving your own skin that you're going to let tens of thousands of people die, then if you think you're going to escape, the God of heaven will not allow that. Now, God's name is not mentioned in all of this. But he is always in the background. And for some reason, the book of Esther does not deal with that. But Mordecai says, for if you remain completely silent this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. You will be destroyed just like I will be, Esther. Yet who knows whether you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Mordecai said, Esther, God has raised you up just for this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, all right, I give up. Go and gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Notice the word prayer is not even mentioned, but as a Jew, you do not have one without the other. It should be that way with those of us who are followers of Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, the Savior of the world. Many times it is assumed in Scripture that if you're praying, you're also fasting. You see, the two go together. This is why Jesus assumed that his followers would be fasting and praying. He said, when you pray, when you fast, not if you pray, if you fast. He said, when you pray and when you fast. So Esther said, I want you to fast for me, neither eat or drink for three days or not. Now, I'm telling you, she was serious. She knew that her life was in the balance. You know, when it's existential. When it's not a political thing, when it's not for comfort, when it's not for promotion or the betterment of someone, but when your life is on the line, you're going to get serious about praying. I've seen this many times in the emergency rooms. I've seen this many times in the ICU wards of hospitals across America. I'll tell you, when you're face-to-face with death, life and prayer takes on a different measure of intensity. And what Esther said was, my maids and I will fast. In other words, I'm not asking you to do something I'm not going to do myself. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law for me to do it. And if I perish, I perish. So be it. So Mordecai went his way 
and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. You see, there is a time to either fish or cut bait. There is a time when God is going to bring in your life and mine, and sometimes, many times, in my nearly 50 years of ministry, there have been times when I knew if I did not stand, I would fall for anything. And so I have stood many times alone, not a few times, but many times alone, because I have found that men and women of God who talk a big show will not always stand with you. We call it in the ministry taking a hill. Those of you who are in the military, you understand what I'm saying. You want people with you that will go to their death, that are willing to do whatever it takes to make it happen. Because you see, in the end, God is in control. And if we die, we die. If we live, we live. But there is a time when a man and a woman, a young man, a young woman are going to be called upon to stand. And it is in those times that often we don't have time, a lot of time to think. But whatever we've made a commitment to, whoever we've made a commitment to, this will determine our destiny. Times will come in your life and mine when we will have to stand. If we lose our possessions, if we lose our family, even if we lose our life, we will not lose the favor of God if we stand in his strength. Esther was called upon at a time that God had prepared her all of her life for and to do, a task that he had set before as we look in the chapters to come, we're going to find out that God rewards faithfulness. And many times he will take what seems to be insurmountable odds and he will turn something around and use it for his glory. After all, he is God. For On the Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.